Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up, three teams facing several question marks heading to training camp. The Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's where Moncrief comes in and has to play an important role. The Carolina Panthers. You look at the new throwing motion that Cam Newton debuted in uh, minicamp. Oh my God, that was horrible. The San Francisco 49ers. Coleman to me is a good complimentary piece. McKinnon to me is nothing more than a third down type. And sleepers for each of the teams. All of a sudden, they don't have to go with six wide receivers. They may be able to go with five or even four. This is the Scout Honor Podcast with inside information. If he was any good, do you think that Bill would have let him walk out the door? And unique perspective. They might call Cam Newton Curly Moe before the year is out <laughs> because he's going to be doing a lot of whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> From Super Scout, Dave T. Thomas, and your host, Paul Crane. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the Director of Operations of Scouting Services, Inc., and the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, Dave T. Thomas, another football scout's honor today. We're going to look at three teams that have a bunch of question marks. And Dave T., let's get right into it with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And wide receiver is certainly a question mark, not at number one with Juju Smith-Schuster, but with Antonio Brown gone, uh, who's going to take some of the pressure off Smith-Schuster? You know, you look at minicamp, you look at the OTAs, you look at the way that Ben is bonded already with Dante Moncrief. Could this finally be the opportunity for this kid to show what he showed in college? He's been having a decent career no matter where he's been, but the thing is he hasn't had that breakout season. Right now, Ben's going to have to rely quite a bit on him because Juju's going to have to move up to the number one spot. When that happens is you're not going to see isolated coverage on Juju anymore like he had last year because AB got all the double teams. Obviously, it moves up to your number one guy. So that's where Moncrief comes in and has to play an important role. I'm still not sold on the Eli Rogers situation. You go back to 2017, you thought this kid had his spot cemented in the lineup. Then you go back to last year, and he only had 12 touches. Sure, he had the injury. Sure, he had issues off the field. But they went ahead and took Deontay uh, Johnson in the third round. And let's not forget, they still have second rounder over there, James Washington. If anything happens to Ben or if Ben retires, the James Washington-Mason-Rudolph connection is going to play a big role because these guys spent three years together at Oklahoma State. You look at the backup wide receivers that they have. You know, Ryan Switz is in the battle for his job, not only at a wide receiver, but also handling return duties with Johnson and Fult. I don't see this team keeping more than five wide receivers, and that makes everybody else showing up in training camp uh, nothing more than unemployment fodder. Hmm. Well, as the wide receiver situation unfolds, the running back situation had all sorts of attention for the wrong reasons with a Le'Veon Bell holdout last year. But James Conner, he was good, but also got run down a bit, had some injury uh, woes. So uh, what about next man up? Because Conner can only take so many carries, right? 
Well, let's go back and look at recent years over here. I mean, even when he backed up uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell, he was banged up that year. He's coming off cancer from his college days. So you're looking at if Connor goes down, could Jalen Samuels step in? He showed he could do it last year. But to me, Samuels is more of an H-back, full-back, third-down type of guy. I think uh, fourth-round Benny Snell is going to play a very important role in this. And look at the New Orleans cast-off that is there in Trey Edmonds. If they go with five running backs on the roster, they're probably going to keep Roosevelt Knicks at the fullback spot. They more than likely could move Jalen Samuels over there if they decide to go with just four, though, Paul. Hmm. Well, that will be an interesting situation to watch. And, of course, the Snell pick, you praised it uh, on draft day, and obviously he's going to get opportunity. He's a pounder. You look at the two guys ahead of him, they're both physical runners. You go back and look at the Franco Harris era. You go back and look at Le'Veon Bell. Pittsburgh works well because of the power of their offensive line. Not for anything. I'm very concerned about the depth of their offensive line, but if you look at their backups, if you look at their starters, there's a lot of 340-pounders there. So what they do is they pound and keep the ball on the ground. Ben's going to have to realize that he's going to have to distribute the ball more to the backfield till he could find confidence in Moncrief and till Smith-Schuster could prove that he is a number one wide receiver. And what about the factor for the Steelers? You talk about the running game and the situation at wide receiver. Well, the offensive line is going to have a lot to do with both of that, protecting Big Ben and the running game. And Marcus Gilbert was traded for a late-round pick. How is that going to affect the Steelers as they move forward? Well, years ago, I was doing the Ike Taylor's podcast, and I kept on raving about this kid from Army that they picked up and were trying to convert to the offensive line, Alejandro Villanueva. Now he's one of the top offensive tackles in the country. They went ahead and traded away Gilbert to Arizona, and a lot of people said, oh, my God, you're breaking up the chemistry up front. But Gilbert ended up being the 46th-rated offensive tackle in the NFL last year. However, their top backup, Mac Feeler, who now steps in at the right tackle spot was 31st. I think in Feeler we're going to see the second coming of Villanova. This is a kid that came out of Bloomsburg, was a street free agent, ended up with the 49ers as a free agent, a couple of other teams before settling in with the Steelers. Playing alongside Dave DeCastro is going to benefit this kid. My concern, though, is look at the tight end picture. Vance McDonald has not proven that he could go the whole 16-game stretch. Are they going to miss Jesse James now being in Detroit. Sure, they drafted Zach Gentry in the fifth round, but that kid's not exactly going to go out there and be a rage as far as his hands go. I think that Pittsburgh was so, uh, how could I put it, noticeable of their lack of depth at the tight end position that when the Jets cut Jordan Leggett, they were one of the four teams that put in a claim for him, but unfortunately they didn't have a lower rung to go ahead and claim the guy. And how overlooked is a coaching change on the offensive line? Well, the big thing what I'm looking at over here is is that you're looking at four veterans that even if coach comes up with some kind of cuckoo game plan, DeCastro, Pouncey, Foster, and Villanueva are going to say, hey, coach, come here, let me take the bib off of you and show you how we play football. But I was looking at uh, Mike Munchak going to the Denver Broncos. 
that that's going to hurt. And that uh, it's going to hurt not only I say for the offensive line, it's going to hurt for the entire team. Because honestly, I think that Ben relied more on Munchak than he relied on even his, uh, how could I put it, back and forth with Mike Tomlin. Tomlin, I think, is on the bubble right now. I mean, if they don't make the playoffs for a second year in a row over here, you've got to look at the front office and they got to say, maybe it's time to change. You know, the guy's been there, what, a decade or so? Mm-hmm. You start getting stale after a while. Look at Cincinnati and the mistake they made every year by re-upping Marvin Lewis on a yearly basis. But is it fair to say Mike Tomlin might be in trouble if he doesn't make the playoffs, considering the consistency and 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 the role he has played there? This is not a team that cha- This is a team that, uh, that just doesn't change head coaches. Uh, I'm not worried about the offensive line. I'm worried about Mike Tomlin more with losing Mike Munchak. I mean that that guy was the heart and soul of that offense, mm-hmm. and I'm still shocked that nobody back in January turned around and say, "Hey, Mike, would you like to be an HC?" Wow. So Mike Munchak leaves for Denver, and Mike Tomlin may end up. Oh, more... look what happened when Dick LeBeau left Pittsburgh years ago, and the defense all of a mm-hmm. sudden crumbled under Keith Butler. You're going to have that same thing. You got to understand these guys were brought up from puppies to the junkyard dogs that they are now, along with Munchak, and now he's gone. It's going to be a little different in the, in the uh, offensive line's uh, film room. It's going to be a lot different for the entire offense because Ben right now is going to have to rely on Randy Fitchner as being his ghost whisperer when it goes to going to Mike Tomlin. I don't think Tomlin and Ben really have a great relationship, do you? No, <laughs> no it, it certainly has had its rocky moments. Let's uh, put it like that. and. Uh, well, but, well, Ben, Ben, you know, if if I'm Tomlin right now, I'm going out to Lowe's Hardware Store before training camp opens up and tell him, Ben, come on, in, sit down. And as soon as he sits down, I'm wrapping duct tape around his mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's been the thing that uh, I think uh, obviously has affected. Same thing about. with Aaron Rodgers up at yeah, Green Bay. Yeah, We're yeah. seeing the veter- the Eli Mannings, the veteran quarterbacks, are reluctant to turn over the complete control that they had. But they got to realize not only are they getting up in age. But maybe the old stuff doesn't work. The old dog, you got to start teaching new tricks. If not, you got to get a new dog. We've got two other teams we're going to get to, the Carolina Panthers and San Francisco 49ers, sleepers for each and a sleeper for the Steelers. But before we get there on Pittsburgh, what about on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, that injury to Ryan Shazier has really affected this team for a while. Uh, replacing him with that kind of production is is not possible. But what about Devin Bush in terms of maybe filling the hole? Uh, how could I put it? He compliments Ryan Shazier. You're never going to replace Ryan Shazier. But if Shazier was healthy right now, Bush, Shazier, Vince Williams would be on the unemployment line. Look at the money that they wasted by bringing Mark Barron in from the Rams right now because Bush, as soon as he showed up, took over the defense over there. And where the heck on a team, especially like the Pittsburgh Steelers, are you going to see a rookie come in and say, okay, I'm calling signals? Hmm. Uh, in the sec- That's what they're going to get with Bush. And, and the thing is that I'm looking at right now is that having Bush there changes the culture of the linebacking unit. You're going to see more freelancing from Bud Dupree. You're going to see a lot more freelancing from T.J. Watt because they need to apply that quarterback pressure. Watch, though, this kid that was a 240-pound defensive end out of northern Illinois. Sutton Smith, a sixth-round draft pick. I think he's going to make a lot of noise before the season's over for that linebacking unit. Hmm, okay. Uh, well, 
moving to the secondary, a former first-round pick, Artie Burns. Uh, where, what's his status, and uh, what kind of a leash is he going to be on in training camp? Well, he's got a perfect last name because if they don't get him out of town, they're going to burn him <laughs> in effigy and get him out. I, I think that the third-round draft pick, Justin Lane, is going to be that third cornerback. Uh, Mike Hilton is pretty much set at the nickelback spot. Speedy Stevie Nelson comes over from Kansas City, and Joe Hayden will likely end up getting a new contract before training camp ends. Lane, if Lane could prove that he could be the number three guy at cornerback, Audie Burns is either going to be a late cut or he's going to be uh, traded away for a late draft pick. Which is your sleeper for the Steelers, the corner Justin Lane. I love Lane. Well, not only that is, you've got to go back and look at what Notre Dame what they did with Lane last year on certain plays. He played offense. You've got to understand, this was a kid that came to Notre Dame as a wide receiver. Let's say he shows in training camp that, hey, I could be that switch army knife for you. All of a sudden, they don't have to go with six wide receivers. They may be able to go with five or even four, knowing that Lane could come in and fill that number five spot there. I think Lane is a starter. I, I, I don't see him sitting on the bench too long. Probably by year two, he's challenging one of them. And if Joe Hayden has a bad year, Pittsburgh Steelers is sitting out there. He's in a contract year. Lane's ready to step in for the veteran. Hmm. Well, that's uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers as they get ready to go to training camp. Well, they do have one issue, though, and one issue we usually don't discuss. And I think their place kicker is out the door. I think that they're going to be looking at the waiver wires, but Chris Boswell only making 65% of his field goals last year. It got so bad that they brought back Sean Sushum actually just to sit down and tutor this guy in December. Now, Boswell, here's the curious factor on Boswell. Boswell was due on March 15th a $2 million roster bonus. They turned around and told him, let's wait till the last day of training camp to get the money. Now, if he would have said no, Pittsburgh already told him, if he would have said no to that deal, we would have cut you before we even took you into training camp. If they do that, all they have right now is a street free agent, rookie Matthew Wright. I'm looking for that place kicker spot to be a waiver claim before August is out. Wow. And uh, as much as kickers drive teams and, and players crazy, they are so critical at the end of so many games. So that's interesting with the Pittsburgh Yeah, you don't Steelers. want any kicker together with Alex Towers, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Well, as we continue on looking at the two other teams with a bunch of question marks as they get ready to head to training camp, the Carolina Panthers, uh, I'm not sure there's a bigger question mark in all of football for a team than Cam Newton's shoulder. Well, Cam Newton's shoulder reminds me of the incident that went on with uh, Indianapolis and Andrew Luck for a couple of years. And even right now, Andrew Luck is banged up, so who knows what they're going to get there. You look at the new throwing motion that Cam Newton uh, debuted in uh, minicamp. Oh, my God, that was horrible. And then you've got to look at the backups right now. Taylor Haneke, Kyle Allen, Will Greer. Oh, boy, if I'm a defensive back right now, I'm going into the season going yum, yum, yeah. eat him up if i got to play the Carolina Panthers. Will Greer might be ready, Newton, but not opening day. Well, I, I'm just uh, got a feeling that Cam's not going to make it through to 16, not just because of the shoulder, but because of the offensive line. I mean, you're going to have four players that are either new or at different positions on that line. And when you start in a guy named Van Rotten at one of your guard spots, <laughs> it tells me that your offensive line might be like that guy's surname. 
Well, uh, Taylor Moten moves over from right tackle to the left tackle spot. I think the wild card for them, if they could light a fire under that big keister of his, is Greg Little. This was a guy that went through the motions in Mississippi last year, but everybody had him as a top 10 talent. Meanwhile, he slipped to the second round of the draft. If he could come through at left tackle, you can move Moten into the left guard spot, and they would have a decent line because of the man in the middle. Matt Paradise, outside of Jason Kelsey, you not going to find a better center in the NFL. But offensive lines take time, and when you've got like essentially four new faces up there, uh, it, it's critical for Cam Newton in particular to, to stay upright. He's already got enough issues. They might call Cam Newton Curly Moe before the year is out because he's going to be doing a lot of whoop, 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 trying to get away from those defensive linemen. Uh, you go back to Joe Gibbs, you go back to Paul Brown. They always say that for an offensive line to work in unison, we need three years of those guys living together. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, all right, you've got Cam's shoulder issues. You've got all these uh, new faces and new places on the offensive line. And, oh, yeah, how about the receiving core? That the Panthers have. Well, DJ Moore might be a threat if he could ever hold on to the ball, but Minnesota sent Jerry as well, a right uh, packing. I believe he was over. You know, this is a guy that uh, any other body would look at and say practice squad. Torrey Smith's on his last legs. Chris Hogan comes over from New England, but if he was any good, do you think that Bill would have let him walk out the door? The big thing is going to be Curtis Samuels on the knee, especially if Cam Newton still has that shoulder issue. They're going to be a lot of Dink and Duncan. And if he goes Dink and Duncan, he may not even have his tight end out there because the last three years has been more infirmary than football field for Greg Olson. Ian Thomas is a promising talent coming up, but this guy did nothing but block at Indiana. And you're talking about a guy that did basically nothing but block for a team that averaged 50 passes a game? Something tells me the kid may not have the hands. Yeah, and how much does Olsen have left? Well, the whole thing is they're bringing nine tight ends into camp. If they're bringing nine wow. tight ends into camp, they know they got trouble at that issue. Well, they, uh, it's it's just hard to keep track of all the offensive issues facing the Carolina Panthers. But on the one kid to watch though is that sixth round offensive tackle out of South Carolina. How they ever found them in the sixth round is beyond anyone's guess over here. But I think Dennis Daly is the type of guy that you I wouldn't say build around, but you look at him at at least your number six man because he could play tackle and guard for you. Darrell Williams has had injury issues, and Trey Turner has also had injury issues. So this is a guy, along with Dorian Johnson, I want to see on the right side, working with the second unit during training camp. If they come through, I'll be a little bit more satisfied with what the line could offer. And that's not even one of your sleepers. you got two, one on each side of the ball, which we'll get to in a minute for the Panthers. But as we go to the other side of the ball, on the defensive line, holy cow, they, they've got uh, it's a full house at defensive tackle when you look at Gerald McCoy, the newcomer there, Don Terry Poe, who is a year removed from the Falcons, Vernon Butler, Kawan Short. What about these defensive tackles? Here's my problem with this. Now they're going to move 240-pound Brian Burns up the defensive end. Even though he played it at Florida, most people will tell you that if this kid played linebacker in the NFL, he would have been a great one. They lost a great one, weak side, outside linebacker Thomas Davis. Me, I would have moved Shaq 
Thompson over to the weak side. I would have put Brian Burns over at the strong side, and I would have gone with Mario Addison stepping in at the right defensive end spot. Now with Thomas Davis out the door, there's no way in freaking hell that the 49er reject Antoine Williams is going to step in at weak side. Fourth-round draft pick, former defensive end with the Alabama Tide, Christian Miller is really going to have to come through for them. If this kid could pop in and do what he can do over there, they'll have themselves a decent linebacking unit because of their middleman, Luke Coochley. And let's move over to uh, uh, some others. You've got uh, you mentioned that Thomas Davis is gone, so weak side linebacker is going to be a question. Uh, what about? I'm curious about the defensive line, though, Paul, yeah. because he spent the first round draft pick in 2016 on Vernon Butler. He laid a whole bunch of bucks on Don Terry Poe to leave Brady Jarrett in the Atlanta Falcons. Then you drop eight nine million dollars on Gerald McCoy. You still have second round the Kawan short there. How the hell are you going to play all four of these guys? And then you look at their two defensive ends. They're nothing more than edge rushers, and that's Brian Burns and Bruce Irwin. Behind them is only Mario Addison. They need to find themselves, how can I put it, a base defensive end, which seems to be a rarity in the NFL because everybody has gone gaga on these edge rushers. Yeah, yeah. And then the secondary, the, the team had the opportunity in the draft to shore up the secondary and chose not to do that. Yeah, they chose not to do that. You look at the two cornerbacks that they had. They had their yips out there, the two second-rounders, James Bradbury and Dante Jackson. Jackson, I can't see a kid at his lack of size over there taking on the bigger, more physical wide receivers. This is the type of guy I'd much rather have played in a slot. However, they're playing Ross Cockrell in a slot because Cockrell doesn't have the speed to go man-on-man with the speedier wide receivers. They got problems in that secondary and this was an issue that was probably their biggest weakness outside of their offensive line going into the draft. And as we wrap up the Carolina Panthers, you've got two sleepers, one on each side of the ball, linebacker Christian Miller and a a swingman on the offensive line, Dennis Daly. Yeah, both of these guys, you're going to see them contribute a lot as subs out there on the football field. But, you know, Miller's going to be critical. They've got to find a, re- a way to replace Thomas Davis, a weak side linebacker. And on offensive line, like I say, Turner and Williams, uh, they got themselves a long injury issue. Could Dennis Daly step in and play right away? Uh, that's going to be the $64 question in training camp. Now to the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, had looked good, certainly had the huge contract, but he got hurt, had virtually no season last year. How much pressure is there on Garoppolo and the 49ers to make him make good? Bill traded him for a second-round draft pick. Everybody says, oh, the New England Patriots got fleeced. I say, what have you done for me lately, Jimmy? Okay, he had the injury last year. He did have a little bit of a spark towards the end of 2017. But they've been protecting this kid throughout OTAs, throughout minis, and they still don't know what they have there. Could Nick Mullins probably end up starting for them this year if Garoppolo's knee continues to act up? That's going to be a major, major problem for them on offense. You saw Mullen last year that he was, how could I put it, very mechanical for him. But with 130 
$30 million laid on the table for a quarterback that's not playing right now, that's a big issue. Also, there seems to be a separation of him and his wide receivers. Even when he was on the field, they really didn't get along as well as you would expect. And you got to look at the wide receivers that he has. He really should have been out there right now working out, at least soft-tossing the ball with Debo Samuel because Samuel is going to be critical for that wide receiving unit. Jordan Matthews is coming over. He's more of a possession type. Uh, Marquise uh, Goodwin has great speed, but you also worry about that guy. Does he have the mentality to run proper routes? Well, he just won a million dollars in that uh, gold 40 or whatever it was. Not uh, not sanctioned by the NFL, but he was the fastest guy, so at least he's got something in his pocket. What about tight end, though? Well, I love what they have at tight end. My problem is, will they have to put three in them out there on the football <laughs> field to compensate for the lack of wide receivers? Dante Pettis could possibly move ahead of Marquise Goldwyn in training camp, and we'll talk about our sleeper later on. But that kid from Baylor, I think he's going to play a much more important role in even his second round than Debo Samuel will with that, uh, with that unit that they have there. Right. You go back and you look at what's going on. George Kittle is obviously probably going to jump up and take the top rung away from retired Gronk. But finding Caden Smith in the sixth round, this is a kid that is really just starting to come into his own. I was hoping that he would have stayed at Stanford one more year because that one more year probably would have improved his overall speed and also helped him improve on his blocking ability. But as far as the receiver goes, going over the middle of the field, they got a very nice one-two punch with Kittle and Smith. I'm worried about Garrett, uh, Garrett Selleck. This is a guy that's been dealing with back issues and other injury issues. Uh, the concussion part also came up in fray. He may not even be out there on the football field this year. Right tackle Mike McGlinchey is still all banged up. They said he should be ready by training camp and they do need him because if you look at the backups on their offensive line, hell, I'm looking at Josh Garnett, the, the 2016 first-round draft pick is probably being one of their first cuts in training camp. Continuing on with the 49ers, the running back situation, Jarek McKinnon hurt last year, missed most of the season, and the team acquired Tevin Coleman in free agency from the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, w- when you look at that Coleman-McKinnon duo, are they good there or they still need help? I'm half the man I used to be. That's what Tevin Coleman had to sing after last year. And Jarek Coleman, uh, Jarek McKinnon didn't even make it to the half a man level. I think what they really need over there is to rely on Mac Breeder to get healthy and get back out there. Coleman, to me, is a good complimentary piece. McKinnon, to me, is nothing more than a third down type. To me, he's a poor man's Duke Johnson. I'm looking at the trio that they have over there, and they really don't have that reliable guy that I could go to on every down if I need to. That it could possibly be Breeder, but he can't stay healthy and on the football field. They got a great fullback over there, and Kyle uh, Eichart, you go ahead and pronounce his name, and he's been in the Pro Bowl for the last couple of years. So uh, it, it, it all comes down to with them is, are they going to go with a committee? Obviously, you look at what they have over there with the seven running backs on their roster. They have no choice but to go by running back by committee. Hmm. So those are kind of the biggest offensive question marks uh, from San Francisco from quarterback right through the running back situation. But on defense, they've got to be feeling pretty good drafting Nick Bosa and also getting D Ford. 
you think? I, I, I'm wondering if they're going to get Nick Foser, who is John Boser, his father, or if they're going to get Joey Boser, his brother. You look at the injury factor, you look at his off-field uh, adventures. Speaking of off-field adventures, uh, he might end up being, how could I put it, a locker room pariah like a former quarterback that he used to be with the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. Somebody with the veterans is going to get to a point that tells him, yo, STFU. And what I'm looking at right now is if Bosa ends up going through the injury factor again, they have nothing but D. Ford, and he is on a one-day rental. They got some pretty decent defensive tackles there, but the problem is they have two defensive sl- uh, uh, tackle slots for four guys. But, uh, Brad DeForest Buckner has to be on the field. Eric Armstead proved that he could do it last year, but drafting Solomon Thomas in 2017 might not have been advisable. Have you noticed one thing with John Lynch? He seems to be stuck on his alma mater. You go back, you look at Josh Garrett, you look at Solomon Thomas. Uh, these are guys coming out of Stanford University who really haven't done anything uh, since they gotten into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and and then, staying on that side of the ball, they gave a lot of money to Quan Alexander, but he comes with an asterisk, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm looking at the situation, and not only that, is they're going to play him a middle linebacker when I thought David Mayo would have been a better choice there. You look at their outside guys, they got a sleeper in Fred Werner, but Werner is another guy that you go back to his BYU days. This is a guy I want calling defensive signals for me at the mic position. Uh, it's a jumbled cast on that side of the ball. You look in the secondary. Richard Sherman on any other team would probably be a safety because he's lost more than one step over there. Jimmy Ward, of course, he's hurt again. You go look at Witherspoon at the other right cornerback spot. They're praying that former uh, Charger cast off Jason Varek could stay healthy on the football field. Uh, Jacizzi Todd is so-so at strong safety, but Adrian Colbert at free safety, this is a spot where I would move Richard Sherman in now and start getting him into being a Darren Woodson, a Brian Dawkins type after moving over from the corner. That makes sense, but if they do that, where do they get cornerbacks from? That's the problem that they have over there. It's how, they, What they're trying to do is keep a square peg at a round hole. The problem is where they need the square peg, they have nothing there that can match up to a Richard Sherman. All right, square pegs, round holes, and an oblong football. How do they end up forcing some turnovers? Because where's the impact player on defense? Is it going to be Bosa that they hoped, which is why they took him where they did? I think that it's going to be pass rush coming from Ford, Bosa playing in the base, Fred Warner playing the blue-collar type. But as far as turnovers go, they're going to be few and far between. Well, you referenced your sleeper earlier, so why don't we end with the 49ers on a positive note, and that's the wide receiver from Baylor. Oh, so we're not going to get the place kicker, which is probably (laughs) their biggest onus right now. Oh, my God, you talk about a guy that wants to get out of town brown. That's Robbie Gould. He thought that day he was going to end up being a Chicago Bear. Next thing you know, they turn around and franchise him. He says, nah, I'm not signing this deal over here. I think this is going to come down to a long, protracted training camp where we're not going to see Robbie Robbie Gold out there. John Brown is not a guy that I want kicking for me in the NFL. Will they reluctantly turn around and trade him to Chicago? The problem is what they would ask from Chicago. Chicago, if you look at the last two years, they've traded away a whole bandwagon full of draft picks. And former Bear kicker Kevin Butler weighed in sending 
Robbie Gold a message like, be careful what you wish for before you think just going back to Chicago is going to make your world all right. Remember what Jack Durack said in his book, you can never go home again. Yeah, well, so that will be an interesting situation to watch. So now, a guy that you, 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 you talked about him earlier today, but you've also on dra- in advance of the draft and then on draft day, you talked a lot about Jalen Hurd, who uh, had issues at Tennessee, left, went to Baylor, became a wide receiver, and now you've got him as being a sleeper for the 49ers. I was one of the few that stuck up for him when that AD of theirs, which I, I, I think should not even be in the business, Phil Fulmer started dogging Jalen. Oh, well, he should have been out there running the ball for us. Well, the kid suffered a bunch of concussions. He still loved the game. He felt that he could contribute as a wide receiver. They looked at him and says, you want to play wide receiver, you go someplace else. He did. He went to Baylor. Okay, he never played it before, but he had a coach down there, Matt Ruler, turned around and said, listen, we'll take you through the baby steps. It's still going to be baby steps in the NFL for him. I'm not saying that it's going to be 2019, but you look at Jordan Matthews with his injury issues, uh, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis, if these guys go down with an injury, you got a number four guy coming in in Jalen Hurd. I see that by 2020, logic says Samuel and Hurd are their starters at the wide receiver positions. Dave T, sleep well after your long journey. That uh, what was actually a short Hey, listen, <laughs> I got journey. to see my Yankees kick 50 runs over in London, you know. I didn't eat that shepherd's pie, but everything else over there was beautiful for two days. <laughs> Well, enjoy. Sleep well. We'll look forward to talking to you again as we continue to look at Teams Free Training Camp. But we thank you for your information. We thank everyone. Also, for when we come back, hey, Paul, Paul, let's give these guys a little bit of a treat over here. I'm going to start kicking in my fantasy stuff. We're training camp opening up. Fantasy football usually holds their draft early sometime in August. I'm going to start kicking up some more sleepers for you guys out there. Listen, these are not guys you take with your 1 to 10 pick. But when you're coming up with 11 and 12, listen to me. One guy we discussed today, and that was Jalen Hurd. Another one is Debo Samuel. San Fran's got two sleepers. We'll get on to more of them next week. Look forward to that. Dave T., thank you. Thanks again to everyone. Look forward to having you right back here on the Scouts Honor Podcast. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.